found you. <laughs> you're here. You're right in front of me in the flesh. It was a little bit weird because you posted a picture. You know, you didn't send me the photo to say, look, <laughs> I, I, I found you. I can see. So you, you decided to put it on Twitter. So there's me. I was finishing up on the radio this evening. It is Tuesday. It's just at about 11 p.m. on Tuesday. <laughs> and I'm just sort of going through Twitter at the end. And I see this picture. And it's, it's you'd taken a picture from Chatrier walking along behind the commentary boxes over towards where we're filming live at RG. It's a bit creepy, really. No, now come on. Now, normally I would ask permission of anybody I took a picture of to put it on social media, but you were really far away, so I didn't feel like I needed to. You wrote to. my you name even looking in at me. it. Oh, look at Gigi in this picture. You were also on the TV, so as in lots of other people could have seen you from a different angle. So it was not like you were doing anything private, so but it I was, did just whack it up. It yeah, was funny sorry. that on the, on the Saturday... I knew you'd arrived because I saw some messages and it said, I, I, was it Saturday or Sunday? I think maybe it was Sunday. And you, oh no, it was Saturday. Saturday and we yeah. were rehearsing and you said, um, I've arrived, I'm here, I'm in Paris, welcome. Woo. And we are, and the studio that Nick McCarvel and I work on for, the, for Live at Roland Garros is, is top, of the, top of this thing at the TV compound and it, it's open air. So you can see across to Philippe Chatre, the centre court where your boxes are. And you said, I'm here and I'm, I'm around and where are you? And Nick suddenly saw this person walking, and it's, it's quite far. If people look at that picture on Twitter, they'll get the distance, and said, it's Naomi. So I, <laughs> so I text you. What did I say? <laughs> I just, so I, I sent you a message, and I said, I'm here, basically meaning I'm in France. And I just got this text saying, stop walking and wave at me. And at the time, I was just sitting in my hotel room with curtains drawn it was quite late in the evening i was just by myself i just got in put my bags away and there's you saying i'm waving at you nick's waving at you stop and i said nope that's that's not me i'm staring at this woman who at the same time as i sent the message bent down to take something out of her pack and i'm thinking my eyesight's not great but that's not naomi we're both staring across at you think she's looking at her phone what's happening and then we got your message saying i'm in my hotel room with the curtains drawn i was like <laughs> <laughs> i was like i was like that's definitely not Naomi. but it's weird isn't it that we've been it's now tuesday night and i think before now before tonight seen you once apart yes. from that woman if that wasn't you then it's well, once. No, that would, it definitely wasn't me <laughs> it doesn't count um you well, i've i've seen you once with the picture that i took earlier so from across still the, a bit creepy way yep. so i'm i can see you but i can't talk to you you didn't know i was there and then you saw me once in reverse didn't you the oh, day yes. before but we were we were actually live and i thought it'd be very unprofessional if i <laughs> start waving <laughs> if i start waving i, I wasn't going to call out but i thought if i start waving to the side it, it might look a little bit wrong so yeah I decided not to, but it's that's that is about as. And we had five minutes in, in the media restaurant, yes, when we sort of passed each other, had a quick chat, and then you disappeared because you're here working with Five Live, yes, I am. So, a big part of your job are British players. Mm. When weirdly, because I'm working for the French Tennis Federation doing the radio and TV, it, so really, m my it's Nadal, Halep, team sort of everyone else the big guns so the, so the British players they're not really a focus if in one of our planning meetings if I said I think I'd know Johanna Conte should be top of the show they'd look at me and say <laughs> and say, say, and say like I know I know you're from the UK but I'm not sure about this <laughs> so it's so our schedules are completely different because you ran off because who 
someone was about to come on court. Uh, Kyle Edmund. Kyle was about he to come about on court. Come on, yeah. So you ran off. And yes. I was thinking, where are you, what, what's the hurry? What's happening? Yeah, no, we've covered all of the Brits. So it's been quite busy, actually. We've had a, a few in and, and we've got two British number ones in Joe and Kyle both through. Cam and Evo lost out today. So we've gone two out of four, which is not bad, especially for the clay. French is never normally our strong suit, especially since we lost Andy. I mean, Kyle's normally pretty good on the clay, but he's coming in. You know, he's not been playing great, but he managed to win that that epic. And I don't know, were, were you watching the car match where it was he'd been on for about four hours, right? And he had to he was postponed due to light five all in the fifth set, playing it as Jeremy Shardy, and it was great. It was a really great match, really dramatic. But there's nothing quite like it, is there? When the crowd have invested four hours of their time. And, and that's it. They don't get to see who wins and loses. Oh, the the <laughs> supervisor. <laughs> um, I was working on it with a colleague, Matt Brown, for Radio Roland Garros. And, and, oh, no, sorry, it was Nick McCarville. And we were trying to guess when they would call it. And I thought maybe it's seven all. He went six all. It ended up being five all. The supervisor yeah. came out. And Jeremy Shardy doesn't want it to finish because he's, he's the French player. He's got the crowd. It's just everyone is just driving him forward. And then Kyle Edwin, who probably, he didn't really mind either way, but he didn't say anything. He wasn't saying, get me off this court now. And I thought the funniest thing. So they call it, it's over. It's the crowd are told, go home. So Jeremy Shardy, bags, court, gone. Supervisor, gone. Kyle Edwin just takes his time. As he's leaving, they're just booing him. And Kyle Edwin sort of lifts his arms and say, no, actually, it's nothing to do with me. This is, but I think the crowd just wanted to boo someone yeah. because they wanted to see the conclusion. And they weren't going to boo Jeremy. He, he was the only one left. He <laughs> yeah. was the only one left on the court. They were like, we're going to have a last minute boo here. And so Kyle Edwin was like, well, hang on a second. I haven't actually done anything. And, and then it resumes today and Jeremy Shardy's very flat and Kyle Edwin is very pumped up. And two games later, Kyle Edmund's through. That was it, quick as you like. It's a bit bizarre, isn't it? But uh, yeah, he did manage to come through, which was good. So as I say, yeah, two out of four is, is fairly successful. I mean, Evo was playing against Vadasco. We never expected him to win that. It's not Evo's best surface and it's just a nightmare matchup for him in so many ways. Nightmare because it's on the clay. Nightmare because Vadasco's a lefty with a heavy forearm that goes up high to Evo's single-handed backhand. And a nightmare because Vadasco's been playing really well. So tough ask all round for Evo, but uh, he did he did pretty well and we had Cam Norrie who wasn't great I'm going to move on from that and go on to it was possibly the worst was that your analysis on air or was there a little bit more to it than that well uh, on air what did I say it started off bad and it got worse really for for Norrie it was an absolute shocker um, for him and it's it's a shame and actually it did give me the opportunity though to talk because uh, I was on on with um, well various different people through the match and it did give me an opportunity to explain something I've talked about on the pod before the expectation that players are going to be in their peak physical condition peak mental condition and peak match fitness for 11 months of the year normally if you've got two out of the three of those going you're looking pretty good and if it drops down to one you're feeling a little bit wobbly and if you've got none of them you're stuffed uh, <laughs> <so> <laughs> you're not going to win <laughs> well you might you never know um, but uh, yeah but I was, I was talking about that because it just was it was a horrible match from Cam he just didn't play well he couldn't get anything going uh, you know flat didn't really cover it. it it was yeah it was it was not great and, and and look he said that after the match as well it's not a surprise to him he's not going to ever get wind of this and think hang on a minute <laughs> I think he's going to say yeah, it wasn't great. And let's move on to the next one, please. But uh, yes, yeah, so anyway, moving on from Cam, uh, we had Joe and 
Joe was good, very, very good. First round, pretty solid. First set was decent. Second set was even better. Came through in straight sets. Can't complain. We sort of keep across... In terms of the radio, we'll follow the, the key matches. I don't want to say the big matches. They're all big matches for everyone who's playing, but the, the, the key matches. So largely you'll stay on Philippe Chatre because that's where you'll find the Federer's, Nadal's and Djokovic. Although Nadal tomorrow, we're speaking to you on Tuesday, will be on Susan. He has one match on Susan Longland. He makes his way out there for, for one match each year and that's where he's off to tomorrow um, but I thought with um, Nadal and Djokovic their first round matches it felt like it was a bit of one-upmanship so Nadal sort of demolishes three sets gets it done it's never going to be super quick with Nadal largely not going to be super quick so all the other bits and pieces that has to go on and he actually said early stages of that match the chair umpire I'm feeling rushed and I think it was Damien Dumas when he said sorry and it's almost like it was because the chair umpire it's their discretion to hit the shot clock the serve clock and off we go and he just looked at it feeling a little bit rushed <laughs> and Damien Dumas <laughs> looked down and said sorry <laughs> he said I just feel this, you know, there's a lot going on and I feel that maybe a little bit excitable with the button maybe we slow that down <laughs> David Dunsall went right okay and he said but they're pretty short points so the only reason I might delay it is if you're having lung busting 50 shot rallies and I give you a couple of extra seconds he said they're quite quick points um, and he was just he's just the windows but I want some more <laughs> I feel a little bit rushed but then Djokovic came out with game face on and he lost Two more games in Nadal. We did a lot quicker. <laughs> so he went in and said, you may have done it X, Y, and Z, but look at me. Um, I shaved off half an hour of your court time. So those two, game face very much on. Cruise control on the new court, Philip Chatrier. Have you, well, excuse me, have you been in a commentary box in Philip Chatrier? No, I haven't been in, I haven't been in, our commentary box is somewhere slightly different to yours. Right, okay. Oh, well, oh, you haven't been in our commentary haven't box. Been in your I'll have to bring box. you up. We have the biggest... I haven't been invited so far, oh. just to say. <laughs> You're too busy. Okay, well, you are now formally invited to pop much. up whenever you want and come and see <laughs> our very large window. It is huge. It's the biggest window. Why are you looking at me like that? This is a really exciting <laughs> thing for a commentator to have a really big window. It's like at home, you know, when you get those nice big French double doors and you can see the garden and trees and you can see everything going on. It's like panora- panoramic view. We've got that. We can see everything, which is great because a lot of commentary boxes, you don't get that. Oh, you'll you get a little slat. Yeah, you weren't here last year because in the old Philippe Chatterie, really smaller. in the BBC commentary box, you're lucky if you could get two chairs in. Three chairs in, it was like a game of Twister to get three people in. And half the court was cut off and you had to sort of lean around the corner to, <laughs> to see the whole of it. So it was, uh, yeah, it was kind of tight. But this is your first year working. No, when you're playing tennis, I guess you're working. But in, no. in media... <laughs> oh, no, I forgot. You didn't bother with the clay, did you? So probably this is your first no, year played. working. I played. <laughs> this is your first year working at Roland Garros. How are you enjoying it? Because this is a, a sort of new look. Rolling out. Well, yeah, I mean, I haven't been here for 10 years since I was playing. So I was kind of like, oh, you know, I lose my bearings. Everything's new. Oh, this is this is interesting. But then everybody was reassuring me. No, it's just new since last year. <laughs> it's all different for everybody. So I've kind of joined at a good time. Everybody seems to be kind of just getting their bearings and getting themselves sorted. So I don't feel too out of place. But it's been ages since I just haven't been back since uh, I was playing. So that was, yeah, a good 10 years ago. But, yeah, very cool. I... It's great. It's very French. I had my expected. Lacoste trip. Oh, no, so that's where you get to feel like a player. You know, we talked about the player um, kit collection. You get your own one at it's, the French. Well, I love this. No, I didn't. Because Supermarket sweep. This is, Can you just pick what you it, want? Yeah, No, pretty much. Basically, it's um, 
because Lacoste sponsors Roland Garros and we're doing the TV show, so we have to be kissed out. So they send you to this showroom in the middle of Paris, which is quite nerve-wracking. I'm not used to sort of going into sort of fashion house showrooms and, and off we go. <laughs> so, so I go in there with my little rucksack on my back and say, hello, my name is, I'm here from. And they sort of look at me up and down thinking, uh-huh. I'm like, hello. And Pablo Andahar walked in. Oh, nice. First round exit for Pablo. But he got his suitcase full of kit first. And he came in with his wife. Last year, actually, I was there with him and his baby was there. But they came in. So the woman ushers him into the lift, who's a very important person, and sort of looks at me and says, I guess you should get in too. And I thought, uh-huh, coming in. <laughs> so I get into the showroom and I'm sort of left and I'm looking around thinking, I just don't really know where to start. But we were given a certain number of pieces that we could choose, anything, dresses or tops or skirts or however you want to sort of put it. But it's quite daunting because someone walks around with you with a pad and a pencil and you have to sort of say which ones you like and they write down a list. They bring up this big bag of stuff and you try it all on. Then you maybe go for another round and you try it on all again. So it's, uh, it, it is fun. It's a little bit daunting because I'm not used to, I'm not used to that. I'm not used to someone saying go in and, and choose what you like. But it was, um, and normally I go with Nick McCarver. We go on the same day, but we went separately, so I had no one to really say, "Does this look okay? Is this awful? Is this fine?" Does oh, this that's work? why you've ended up in that jumper. <laughs> if oh, I'd have been right there, then. I would have told you. <laughs> it looks hideous. <laughs> Did you get me anything? No. What? Um, because you've what? had so many years of like suitcases and bags full of stuff. It wasn't so many years. I didn't play for that long. I, I've, I've started to get sussed out. It's quite funny when I first got into media because I had a couple of big matches and the kind of memorable matches on, on centre court and played against Hingis and played well. I managed to play well, have some opportunities. And because I was quite young at the time, so there was quite a lot of talk. People think I played for ages. <laughs> I didn't play for very long. So how long did they, you play They for? think, well, how many Roland Garros did you play? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> a couple. And they're like, why only a couple? So, well, I only played for five years. And, and he didn't really bother didn't on clay. Really, didn't really yes, like clay. That, didn't like clay. So, <laughs> yeah, I only played for five years. And then they kind of look at me and they say, well, when did you, when did you stop? And I said, well, I was 21. And I, that, so, yeah, I was like, yeah, it's like nine years ago now. It's been quite a while, but now I'm starting to get found out because <laughs> I felt, felt like my, my way into, into <laughs> media of being like, yeah, no, I've been on the tour for ages. It's been years. Oh, yeah, I'm like a veteran of the tour. And then I come and I have the advantage of having a very old looking face because <laughs> I have <laughs> excessive wrinkles on my face. I've always looked at least 10 years older than I am. So everybody just assumed I was in my mid 30s when I was in my mid 20s. They're like, oh, yeah, of course, Naomi, she played on the tour for a long time and I'm people here. who don't know what you look like are now googling expecting to find pictures of sort of wrinkled shriveled up prunes you don't well, you're not that wrink i can't believe i'm saying that. <laughs> <laughs> you're not no look at my face these, these are words i didn't think i'd say you're not that wrinkly it's not the best podcast material is it because no one can see my face but uh, i can assure you that i've always thought <laughs> that i'm quite wrinkly but I've, i don't mind it i don't mind it this <laughs> <laughs> I've always <laughs> I've always said that uh, I look like a pug <laughs> but uh, Ben has always said that I look like a ball bag <laughs> so, so, oh dear can I just say at this point that no alcohol has been consumed in the making of this podcast no just some sushi maybe we should turn to tennis should we, we turn have, to tennis well we just said 
Hang on, let me just wipe away a tear. Just gone. What was I talking about before that? He was a ball bag. Well, (laughs) you know, we just both accept that in very weekly face. I have an update on on London. I still can't look at you properly. Are you <laughs> staring into space? I just can't. <laughs> um, we have an update on Naomi and accents at dinner. Oh. Um, it was pretty rubbish. My friend, um, because you you were very good. You uh, you were very nice. You you waited. I had to finish off the radio. And Gail Morphy's wonderfully got the job done before they called it for darkness. But you you waited after your long day, and I said, I just think I need to eat something before we do the pod because I hadn't eaten all day. So we went and got some sushi near. We're sitting, currently sitting in the lobby of the hotel where I'm staying. The the gentleman sort of the concierge or the night porter has been giving us some looks as he's wandered around and he's, he's actually finally just wandered off. But we had some sushi in Sasha Zverev's favourite sushi restaurant. And I love sushi, so I'm, I'm there most nights. And it's also one of the only restaurants that's open that late when I'm walking back. He has the same table every night and has done for three years now. And tonight he was there with Marcelo Mello after his five-set win today but that is where you will find him every evening having his food so I'm very grateful that you waited so I could have a little bit of food only thing about the French Open which is going to change probably from next year well it will do because the roof will be added is there are no night sessions here so it it finishes like so this evening it was 9.31 that Gail Morphy's finished uh, and the night before the the Shardy um, Edmund match was called at 9.21 um, so it's, it's pretty late and, late and darkness is ascending, but in the, in the scheme of things, when you think of US Open, the night sessions, I think the latest one I finished there was around two. Australia this year, it was two-something when Johanna Conta finished her match in bed about 4.30. It's actually not, not too bad at Roland Garros. I'm a fan of night sessions, but not everywhere. I don't feel like we should be saturated with night sessions, but as in, you know, kind of US and Oz, I can, I can, and I can handle, that's their thing that they do. I just feel like it's unnecessary at Roland Garros. I get what they're doing and why they're doing it. What I would like is to pop some floodlights up so that we could finish a match like the Edmund Shardy, although that actually could just have continued on because, of course, we have no tie-break in the fifth set. It could just keep going and going and going. It's the only slam now that doesn't have a I, I nearly a forgot that. And we're doing the Edmund match, and I think, well, it's going to come to an end scene. And I thought, oh, no, it's not. <laughs> it could actually go on and on, but then, yeah, because of the light, it, it couldn't. Yeah, so, I mean, I'd, I don't like the fact that we have to suspend play due to light. I mean, it's fine if it's like a set-all, but it's when it's at the, that crucial moment, when they're trying to get it finished and they can't quite squeeze it in because nobody's going to break... Um, so that's a bit annoying. So I'm a fan of popping a, some floodlights up, but I just don't want them to be used all the time. Just because you've got floodlights, does that mean you need to put a match on at midnight? No, it's fine. Just do a normal schedule, and then if it runs into midnight as a one-off, that's fine too. But don't put one on in the middle of the night. The Oz and the US Open do that. That's their thing. Come on, Roland Garros. It's not your style. Did we ever get around to doing our full predictions? Because I think we were going to do something once the draw was out, and I don't think... Well, we didn't, because we we haven't seen each other. We've seen each other from afar with slightly weird, creepy photos. We could have Um, just held pieces of paper up with with a sign. So I know we're three days in. We should have practised some smoke signals, and we could have communicated. That could have gone really badly wrong. (laughs) So who are you going for both titles? I know we're three days in. People think you can't do that now. 
So maybe your player's gone out. Maybe you picked Kvitter and she pulled out. I don't know. Well, I made quite a bold statement on the radio. No, no, now, now, no. Uh, On the women's side. Halep. No. (laughs) I am going to stick with Nadal for the men's. Because, you know, come on. I'm not a lunatic. I'm going Djokovic. Yeah, you know, fair enough. Fair enough. But no, no, look, neither of us have gone out on a massive limb for the men. So you're ready. Your 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 woman. Did Pablo Carreño Busta win? It, yes, he did. He did. All yes, right. he did. Good job, PCB. Uh, <laughs> oh, Karlovic came through. Yes, he Amazing. did. Forty-year-old yes. against a thirty-seven-year-old out on that court. That David was... Goffin came through, very comfortably. Yeah, no, there's lot, there's lots there, but are they in the mix? No, it's between Nadal and Djokovic, really, isn't it? Would but you? First. Okay. Would you? Is Stan Wawrinka? Can he be considered a dark horse? Uh, what's a dark horse? Well, that's well, that's my question. Is he a dark horse? Well, I don't know what a dark horse would be. So no. Well, so, I, I, no, I understand the term, but I'm just saying that it's a very loose. Okay. Term. Okay. So uh, my my pick for the women, my pick for the women's uh, originally was that was Pliskova. That's what I said on our last pod, and I you? still stand by her as my pick. But my dark horse, that I've picked. Oh, so you it, now know what a dark horse is. It's oh, amazing. Oh. <laughs> that was quick. <laughs> My dark horse for the women's. It's quick. Okay, point taken. <laughs> I concede. I've lost this one. Uh, is uh, Kazakina. You see, that is a dark horse. It is a dark horse. That is a dark horse. Because. It's my director, Fred, there telling me I should be asleep when I shouldn't be talking at this time of night. Got to save the voice. <laughs> Got to save the voice. Yeah, well. <laughs> Good night, Fred. <laughs> Did I get you in trouble? No, I don't think you got me in trouble. I think I don't. I, they don't give you a curfew. <laughs> I'm a grown up. <laughs> they don't, they don't you tell got me, your own room. They uh, yes. <laughs> they, they don't tell me when I have to go to sleep. Uh, it's uh, no Kasakina. She's a dark horse. But, okay, so let me go. If we go back to the men's, because the same applies for both the men's and the Stan women's. Stan But Stan's won this thing. No, I agree. That That is my argument. And Radio Roland Garros, someone said, I think it could have been Simon Cambers, said, Stan Vavrinka is my dark horse. I said, you cannot have a dark horse that has won this tournament, especially if they've won it in the last few years. Because they've got the memory. They've done it before. They've got, I know he's, he's had a big injury and he's working his way back, but I do not think you can have Stan. Then someone said... Um, what about Roger Federer? I said, well, he could be a dark horse because he hasn't won the title here in, well, this is the 10-year anniversary. It's of, quite a while. Yeah, it's his a bit, title, very different. And he hasn't played since 2015. So he would almost be more of a dark horse than Stan Wawrinka, but I really don't think that Stan Wawrinka can be a dark horse. Right. See, you're making the dark horse situation complicated. That's why I asked the question. Well, how is that complicated? I don't think a former champion of recent years can be a dark horse. Okay, but Stan's ranking is quite low. But you just said he couldn't be a dark horse. No, I didn't. I said I don't know what a dark horse is, apart from Dario Kazakina. (laughs) My, um, for the women's, I'm going for Simona Halep. So you've gone Halep and Djokovic? Yeah. Right. (laughs) Don't look at me like that. Ever the risk taker. Pliskova Nadal. No, but Kazakina. That's what I've said. Because Kazakina's one of the best players on clay. She's had a terrible, terrible season. She's really, really out of form. Um, so she doesn't look like she's going to win the title. Do you like these skeletons? Oh man, the kits. Do you know what's been difficult is that, you know, we have to describe the kits, particularly working on radio. It's good to give people a sense and a bit of a a, a colour and a 
you know, so that they get the vibe. But it's it's been tough to describe, isn't it? It's it's been really it's quite I don't know that that kit that they've been wearing. So we've got the night kit is what skeletons? Is it bees and flowers? Trees. Trees. So skeletons dancing and playing tennis among trees. Yeah, but there's no colour. It sounds like there's colour because it's flowers, but it's all kind of black and white. It's like it's black moonlight. and white and a bit of grey. Yeah, well, skeletons, you think no, you don't think of skeletons in bright sunshine, do you? No. It's, a, it's the clashing that I can't stand. They've got it's these patterned prints, which are kind of okay as standalone pieces, but when they're doing it like the top as the flower clashing and then bees on the bottom it's just it's not it's, oh, it's too much too much the, for me well someone described it perfectly because as you say you can have the skeletons on on the top and, and the bees on the bottom and some said it looks a little bit like pajamas oh it really does yeah and and then someone said would you wear pajamas like this i said no i don't think i'd want to go to bed with some skeletons on my pajamas which i think that's a fair enough comment i said maybe if i was going out to an edgy club <laughs> and courtney nguyen who's with me said you going to an edgy club, it's okay, that wouldn't happen. So I'm not going to wear skeletons. And then I said to her very innocently, just as I think the next commentary shift were coming in. So they just heard, they hadn't heard any of this. And I said, and I said, Courtney, um, do you like to go to bed with skeletons? Just as, I can't remember who it was, walked in and just looked at us. And Courtney said, I, I have no answer to this. She just picked up the back end of the conversation. But, but the thing is, it's, it's got everyone talking. So it has. It's, a, it's a win. It's a win for the brand because... Yeah, but are they going to sell many of these outfits? I, I wonder. I was talking to Daniela Hantakova about this. She's working with us on Live at Roland Garros about that very fact, about how much, how many ordinary people, so say I'm an ordinary person, am I going to go in and buy that kit? No. But maybe you'll buy something else from that brand, maybe Adidas or shoes or Nike. Do you know what I mean? You might, you might draw you towards a label, but are ordinary people going to go in and, and deck themselves out? For, I mean, Venus Williams is wearing a gold leopard print skirt with highlighter yellow spots on the skirt. Mm. Now, it looks like something sort of like you might wear to an 80s party. Yeah. But who's going to go in and say, oh, I love that sort of gold skirt with yellow dots on it? Yeah, but I feel like Venus isn't really trying to sell her outfit. I just think she's wearing what she wants she to wear. She has a clothing brand. No, I if know that. If anyone's going to sell her, she's going to want to sell her own clothing brand. Yeah, and then Serena, her warm-up top. I thought it was a poncho with sleeves. Kimono. I think it's more... Is that a kimono? <laughs> no, but it's more... Because a poncho sort of hangs. This was too... Like, it's like a... It's like a kimono because it was very thin and it was flappy. There was an unnecessary amount of fabric. That is true. There was a necessary amount of flap, but then she took the kimono off. Yeah. And there was sort of a crop top with sort of short skirt. Yeah. No, short skirt. Great. Black and, and white. And then there was the long sleeve black top that went over the crop top later. Yeah. And the words in French were mother, goddess, queen. I yeah. Think, written in French um, on the Very outfit. on brand. Yeah, all she loves that. that but it's it, again these outfits. Um, Why is it talking. always the French? Remember the zebra? Oh, remember the zebras? Didn't it's like always, the zebras. It's always the French that they go kind of crazy for. It is, isn't it? No, I didn't. I didn't like this. I think they're getting it out of their system. Before I think they start the year in Australia fairly sensibly. You get bright colours in Australia, but they start the season. Yeah, there's different I think themes. They're going a little stir crazy by this one, and they want to get it out of their system before they go all white at Wimbledon. And they finish it off with a little bit of colour. I would sum it up that Australia, they go colourful. 
I think bright sunshine is, is I think that's kind of the general theme. And it's the year and everyone's happy and it's like... Yeah, um, yeah, they make an impact. And then the French, they tend to go a little snazzy and jazzy with their designs. It can get a bit funky, lots of geometric things and prints. Wimbledon... Well, it's only so much you can do with white, but it's, it's it's, white. They, they stick to the white rules. White. Otherwise, none of their players are going to be allowed to play. Too. <laughs> <laughs> and US Open, well, they, they really focus on the night session kits for the US Open, and they're normally black or dark. They go darker for the night session and then lighter for the day session. So they kind of have two themes there. So they, they do tend to stick to a, a general sort of thing. Two quick fire questions. Which is the toughest major to win uh, well it depends who you are right no just if you have to give an answer for anyone stop sitting on the fence and all these things I'm not sitting on the fence I'm asking for more clarification for your that generic is just, questions that is, just <laughs> that is the question which is the toughest major to win you have to give an answer Roland Garros which is the most stylish major Ooh. Oh, I can't ask you any questions. I'm not allowed to ask you questions. You're the interviewer, obviously. <laughs> can't fire anything back at you. Which is the most no, on, stylish... What, what, what question would you ask me oh, to follow up see, that? No, you're just... Oh, I know exactly what you're angling for. No, you what? want me to just answer Roland Garros for all of these questions and no. say, well, Roland Garros is the best slam. It's the hardest. It's the most stylish. No, we've been having these debates on the TV show that we've done run some Twitter polls and Instagram polls. And, yeah, and it happens to be Roland Garros TV show and the answer happens to be Roland Garros no, every time. <laughs> <laughs> what a shock. <laughs> you ask the same questions at Wimbledon, you'll get very different answers. It was, it was, you know, it was interesting because there were a few people that came back with US Open, including Conchita Martinez. For stylish? For toughest. Oh. Hardest. Right. So, so Danielle Hanskova said the French. Yeah. Nick McCarvel I was working with said US Open. I was going to go Wimbledon, but I decided to stay neutral. In this debate, Conchita Martinez, I think Pat Cash said definitely French. Conchita Martinez said, said Conchita Martinez said U.S. Open. So there, there was so no Australians. There was no no frustration. It, it was between it was between those two. But the latest ones we've got running, and I don't have the answer to this yet because this is for tomorrow. Is which is the most stylish? Of the four. You should save that for a, a press conference with Djokovic. So, Novak, I know you've won a lot of Australian Opens, but it's kind of the easiest one to win. So, <laughs> <laughs> do you not think you should focus on the other ones a bit more? Well, that's trying French. to achieve. Apparently, <laughs> that one is the toughest. So, really, Nadal's 11, it's kind of the same as winning about 15 French Opens, isn't it? Same as everything else. <laughs> yeah, that'll go down well. Uh, what was the question? What's the most stylish? Did yeah. we answer that? I don't think you did. Ooh, well, I'll probably stick with Roland Garros. Oh, I can't believe all your answers are Roland Garros. <laughs> <laughs> it's as if I'm working for Roland Garros TV. I can't believe it. <laughs> but it's it's uh, it's incredible. We haven't seen each other. There was um, there was quite a funny. Sophie Amiak is working for us, former player, French. And one day she walked. It's always good to have. I know I'm not really allowed to talk about snacks and things, but one day she came in with a bag of pastries. So we had a cheesecake apricot tart I mean everything it nice. was one I resisted I thought I've just got I've just got to leave and, and walk away but there was a cheesecake that every single member of the Radio Roland Garros team was eyeing up but no one no one had the nerve to take it because everyone wanted it I came back for the final shift of the night with Matt Brown and cheesecake was gone 
And we said, he's taking the cheesecake. And it, like, it was nothing. Some people on social media were sort of speculating that it might be Courtney. He's taken the cheesecake. We said, I can't believe Courtney Nguyen's WTA Insider has taken the cheesecake. <laughs> and, um, and then our, our producer, Stefan, said, yeah, I think it was, was Courtney. So this starts going around a little bit on Twitter that Courtney's eaten the cheesecake that everybody was looking at. <laughs> it turns out, not only did she not eat the cheesecake, um, she dropped it on the table and no one ate the cheesecake because... And I said, how did that happen? Was that really unfortunate? <laughs> it was in a little... Um, it's like a slice of cheesecake, so it was in a triangle, triangular box. Yeah. It had been there for a while, so it got a little bit soft and the room was quite warm, so it was a little bit slippery. So she she decided in commentary to use it as a, as a Pac-Man. You know Pac-Man? The little yellow thing that chomps all the little balls? Yeah. So she started doing that with the box that the cheesecake was in. And, and while acting as Pac-Man, cheesecake just fell onto the table. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. So, so no one, still not sure why she was, was doing that, but um, cheesecake like no fell, one got any cheesecake. She's she was just saving everybody from cheesecake. You don't and want no one got any rubbish. cheesecake. But this is, you know, we have some good snacks in there. Have you had a, have you had a crepe yet? No, I haven't had a crepe, but you promised me a crepe. You did, said we were getting one tonight. I? You said we promised you. I didn't promise you a crepe. You said you're going to buy me one tonight. Well, when we finished, it was darkness, and they'd all shut up shop. Okay, but you always finish at that time. So does that mean we're never getting one? Quite possibly. Well, oh. maybe when your workload lightens, because I know it's difficult at the moment, <laughs> we, can, we can get one during the day. I am working very hard. Thank you. I, very I know. Much. I know you are. <laughs> Maybe yeah, when maybe it, for maybe, lunch. Maybe when it lightens a little you know bit. What? You know what? Don't even worry. You go off and be busy. I'm going to go and get one by myself <laughs> and I will send you a picture. And send me photos. And then sort of slightly creepy photos of me from a distance <laughs> with like the crepe in it's front of the camera. It's not creepy. Come on. <laughs> it's not that bad. It's, um, as I've been told off by my director, because <laughs> I'm meant to be asleep, <laughs> um, I'm going to go now. Right. Um, okay. Bye I then. mean, you, you can you can stay in the hotel lobby. I'm sure. It'll be I was going to say, shouldn't I be the one that's going? This is your hotel. That's true. I'm not staying here. I'm on the other side. Well, you didn't look as if you were moving, so I thought I'd oh, just well. hurry things up a little bit. All right. Bye. Thank you for coming for dinner. Well, it was lovely. Thank you for for having me for dinner, for allowing me into your hectic schedule. <laughs> Thank you for waiting for me. And we're gonna do this same time next week. Yes. Yeah, 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 let's do that. Same time next week. If you've got some Tuesday space. Tuesday evening. Got, got some space in your schedule. Yeah, I, I might possibly. Maybe we should meet for dinner and, and do the pod. Okay. Yeah. I, I can do that. I've got Joe tomorrow playing Lauren Davis. It's been fun, though. It has been I'm fun. glad we met. It's now... It's, um, it's Wednesday. Oh. Oh, okay. well, okay. <laughs> really better get to bed then. <laughs> People are playing soon. You're going to go and find your hotel. Do you know where it is? Uh, I think it's quite just far gonna, away. I'm just going to send you off <laughs> into the night. I'll go for a wonder. I'm sure I will happen upon it. See you later. Bye.